0: it is the One More Turn Season 3 Commentary. That's right, the One More Turn Dramedy Series over at onemoreturn.net. I'll bet you didn't know that. <laughs> I'm series creator Dan Q, and I also voice Hudson, joined by assistant editor and the voice performer for Caleb, Ubermarkler. What's up? The voice performer for Gary Blauerfackel. Hiya, folks. And the voice actress for Avery. Jennifer Lund.
1: Hi. <laughs> I have well the done.
2: strangest... Never mind.
3: <laughs> oh, no.
0: Yeah, if this was in the blooper reel, it will just be a lot of beep. <laughs> Completely useless. Completely, completely 100% useless. But now
2: he's making you edit more, so it's all good.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: The blooper reel gets bleeped, but the commentary doesn't.
2: <laughs> Director's commentary, not actually rated, so, you know, view at your own risk.
1: What were the first
0: reactions when you finished reading the Season 3 scripts?
3: See, the, the problem with that particular question is that I have to actually try and remember what I thought... <laughs> what a year ago <laughs> right. or
0: even what are your first reactions when you have finished rereading these season three scripts
3: i was largely pleased with how the characters finally actually have like established themselves they have their personality they have their preferred way of bickering they have their kind of go-to's now and it's sort of nice that um they have a voice essentially
0: but they feel more than just the plot devices and the situations. They feel yeah,
3: yeah. Like, well, when we started this, it was essentially a bunch of friends kind of dicking around and making these in jokes, and now they've had three full seasons to be able to actually develop into like it is Gary, and no longer just Blower being an ass. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But you do acknowledge that you are still an ass. There's just also... Oh, of course. Yeah, oh, well, okay, then we're fine.
3: I mean, I figure you gave me the voice role for a reason. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, now I'm starting to wonder why I got picked to be not just a femme fatale, but the bitch who everyone hates.
2: <laughs> oh, uh, uh, the subtle place. commentary by Dan.
1: No, <laughs> Or that. Or that. <laughs> But no,
0: yeah, Uh, Jennifer, what were your first reactions? Were you thinking, oh, this is just more of the same for Avery?
1: Well, I think my first reaction was really something along the lines of, only four? (laughs) <laughs>
0: oh, the number of episode appearances.
1: <laughs> and then I had to remind myself okay, there are no small parts, only small actors. Fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's actually interesting you mentioned that because in my notes for the first reactions for season three, uh, even though I wrote them, huh? where, you know, less is more. Like, the number of episodes each character appears in is at least one less than season two. So it's not that just Avery got less, but I think the impact of those appearances are just as great, if not greater than in season two. Like, a lot of the time, if you are in that episode, you are in that episode. It's not a cameo and you're gone. Yeah, There's something substantial. There is a reason why you are in this episode. No,
1: that's true. And I was going back and re-listening to my own performances and I had forgotten that the first episode that Avery turns up in, it's basically just her and Gary on the phone. Yeah,
3: I actually kind of agree with what Dan just said, though, about putting forward the idea that every appearance is actually, I think, more has more weight to it in this season. But I would kind of be cutting into the next question as far as why that might be. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll certainly get to that. Uber, are your first reactions
0: similar, different, maybe even conflicting?
2: Uh well for the most part I tend to agree. I think my first reaction was that twist is really weird and I don't like it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, would you be alluding to uh, a certain something about yeah, Hudson and Riley?
2: Yeah, I, it was I think my first response was that does it, what? Cuz mm-hmm. I think my first question to you was when did you decide to actually do that twist because I felt like it hadn't been hinted to enough. Um, what,
1: no Star Wars fans in the house? Well,
2: huh? it, well, the thing is, it wasn't. In Star Wars, they didn't know they were siblings, but in this setup, they knew it, they just didn't tell anybody. And the reasons didn't make a lot of sense to me at first, because quite frankly, it was the. Everybody currently assumes you were banging and in a, in a long term relationship, and it's just that you're step siblings. It's kind of like, uh, that would be a slightly more understandable, less volatile to your surrounding people. Anyway, because who we at this point are already cousins in a relationship with Bella, and Bella doesn't trust them as far as she can throw him. So it's like, "Eh,
3: this is mildly self-destructive. But in fairness, Hudson is mildly self-destructive and Bella doesn't trust anybody no matter what. Right. (laughs) And Riley's in a relationship with Gary. And quite frankly,
0: I think uh, Gary's the one that's got it together more in that relationship. I don't know how much that's saying, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and I think when you have a step sibling situation, when you're close, but then there's questions of, you know, maybe if we weren't step siblings, maybe we would be more than that, but we're uh, not. I don't uh, know.
3: Where, I'm not, uh, 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 yeah.
1: I, 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 it's, it's understandable. A step sibling relationship is something where you're siblings, but it's only by marriage. So well, the standard taboos against hooking up with a sibling because you'll produce three-fingered dwarves doesn't really apply. Um, yeah. Though in I hear you, case, but this is it, it called a because relationship. it relationship.
2: Riley only grew up knowing Hudson as her brother because Hudson was the older mm-hmm. one, was adopted, and then Riley was born. So it wasn't like they just met each other when they were, like, you know, teenage years and it's all awkward and hormonal and shit, but...
0: (laughs) No, it it got awkward after Hudson's adopted parents and Riley's biological parents died, and Hudson was an adult, but Riley wasn't, so then Hudson became her legal guardian for that time between she was, you know, already 17 and 18, so that already complicated the relationship because, first, it's stepbrother and stepsister, yet it's also a fatherly role, and as we see throughout the season, Hudson really can't let that go. He can't seem to go back to just being the brother because he got put into the role of being caregiver after the parents died. And, of course, he's angry about that. Mm -hmm. So he's upset with Riley, and so I think being upset with whatever Riley does, that he kind of sees it maybe as a reflection on him, and he needs to like protect her from herself when he overreacts and, quite frankly, should be paying a little more attention to his own life, which I also think applies to another character quite prominently in this season, being carson which i'm certain we will also get to as well <laughs> but on, on the step sibling thing as well it also makes me think of situations where say in iceland for example where they have the app uh, right when people meet i don't know if you've heard about that oh, yeah. well, the app that lets people know if they're related The
2: population yeah. source is so small that it's you know an actual thing to be concerned about
0: yes Right, And you get people who are put up for adoption and like brothers and sisters, for example, biologically, but then they meet each other otherwise and they feel, well, they feel this really strong connection and they get romantically involved and then they find out you're actually either fully related by blood or partially related by blood. And it's so awkward, because then it's, okay, you have a relationship, the relationship has been altered, but how is it going to be altered? How are you going to perceive that relationship? How are others going to be perceiving that relationship? And I think in this case, in season three, Riley and Hudson are so focused on not letting it get out the nature of the relationship, because they think that's going to make it awkward. It just makes it more awkward for everyone else, especially when it becomes clear that the other person, the only other person that knows is Avery.
2: Yeah. Well, it's just the usual standard of thing that could be solved by one quick discussion amongst all parties involved. It doesn't get resolved until it's leaked out by somebody else kind of a thing.
1: Right. Exactly. Well, because wacky hijinks.
2: Well, yes, because wacky hijinks, drama, and, you know, Avery needs the ability to be all evil.
1: (laughs) For myself, uh, otherwise
0: reactions, both uh, Riley's choice and Riley's effect. So the choice is whether to continue the relationship with Gary, pursue Caleb instead, or even Carson, while not wanting to cause conflict for or between any of them. So she chooses to do nothing, and yet proceeds to do kind of everything, right? Which is, congratulations, Riley, as is pointed out to her in the season, that you're doing to Caleb and Carson what you don't intend to do, what Bella tried to do on purpose but couldn't do, and that was destroy the relationship between them and, quite honestly, everybody else in their lives. And so that's that's the the choice and the effect. Right. But we also have the Carson exasperation, Mm -hmm. Finally, Carson, you're finally speaking your mind. Tell Riley to, like, get it together and stop it. Stop this, this flip-flopping and this scattered behavior that's driving everyone crazy, but also overreacts because I guess he's just taking a page from Bella and Gary's book, which is I'll just sue you uh, if you don't go away.
2: Well, when he's stuck hanging out with lawyers his entire life, that's probably just his first natural response anyway.
0: (laughs) And this is pointed out in the season. For some reason, Gary is still Caleb and Carson's lawyer because, I don't know, the town is so small. There's no one else, and the only other choice is Bella, and whoa, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably
2: not happening.
1: Dan, I have to point out something that's just uber Canadian about this whole thing. And I didn't really realize it until you laid it out about Riley's decision-making process or the lack thereof. Suddenly a Rush lyric suggests itself to me. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice.
2: And additionally, she you know, gone over the dark side and is trying to destroy all of her friends. So, yeah. Well, that too. I
1: only recently
0: decided on what the coupled name for Bella and Hudson should be, and it seems freaking obvious. I mean, they're hella. Duh. <laughs> I mean, that describes them. It's not just perfect for their names, but it's also the effect that they have. And that's the other thing that really... Was kind of like from this season, which was Bella and Hudson realize again why they're better off not being in a relationship together again, and of course, just have to bring everyone else along for the twisted ride.
2: You know, Hella is definitely better than like Rary or Guile E. There you go. Guile yeah, that'd be a little bit <laughs> it's, Either way, it's awkward. And...
0: If, I mean, for some people, boy, that, that age difference, like, man, you know, Gary's old enough to be Riley's father.
2: We ain't saying she's a gold digger, but. Oh!
0: Well, now, quite honestly, I mean, yeah, I know Gary's a lawyer, but it's really not established how much money he has, because he kind of loses control a little bit of his own firm, right? And the board of directors starts making decisions for him.
2: Yeah, well, he seems to have lost his own firm. God only knows what happened with he and his wife split, because presuming Mm -hmm. they're both lawyers, and based on what Bella said about her mom, I'm pretty sure that divorce went badly for all parties' monetary situations. Mm -hmm. And you know, he's stuck working at One More Turn for some stupid reason, so...
1: And I
0: would also say this season brought about kind of not dismissing, but kind of pushing to the side a little bit some of the plot points that were particularly strong in season one and or two. For example, I mean, the Carson behaving badly video, we start off with like the remastered audio. And this seems like this is going to be a thing, but it really is kind of in the background, just like the Bella and Hudson coupling audio, even more so is in the background heck we get more on the cat mayor video than we do on the <laughs> behaving badly
3: video or coupling audio yeah,
2: it goes off the whole viral thing of it's a big thing for five minutes and then it disappears because people have other things that are interesting
3: yeah well that's kind of appropriate like the main cast of characters is by nature going to care way more about that video than literally yeah. everyone else on the planet <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, even yeah. everybody else in the town probably doesn't care that much.
3: They probably care to
0: know about it because other people know about it. But... Yeah,
2: well, yeah, it's the, you know of it and you, like, listen to it once and then you're like, eh, whatever.
0: Exactly. And then a lot of characters that we know here in the town, the cast, it's just, they're focusing on it when everyone else is. Has pretty well moved on, and it was kind of alluded to last season, which was, you know, oh, that was a pretty popular video. I think it was Max in season two that said that, but, uh, but then there was the, you know, the mayor and the cat video. And then we get the characters talking about, starting to talk about that video, mm-hmm. when they really should be talking about something else. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you know how cats are. They're, you know, internet's version of opium or something.
0: Well, it's a distraction. I, I just call it like the squirrel. The squirrel moment, you know, like, dog, squirrel! Mm-hmm. And you just have to stop and pay attention to it, and then you resume where you left off as if right. nothing happened. Exactly.
2: Until it shows back up.
1: I heart Dropbox. By the way,
0: so they're going to sponsor one more turn.
1: Yeah. God, I wish.
0: All right, so Google Dropbox. Uh, you want the characters on one more turn, season four, to use your service? Start the bidding. <laughs> bidding okay. starts at uh... three
1: fifty.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Blower, you were saying earlier, oh, if I talk more about this, I'm going to kind of lead into... The next question. Bingo. Yeah, so we might as well pick up where you uh, <laughs> not so obliviously left off. Uh, which season three episode is your favorite and why?
3: Uh, it's, um, I guess, like the latter half of 302 and into 303. The reason why I say it that way is because the conversations are so inexorably linked that if you didn't make a deliberate effort to like watch these on a weekly basis or something like that, they are going to run together for you. I really like those two episodes because they, in my opinion, gave a really, really strong opening to a lot of the scheming and manipulative behavior that happened throughout the season. Also, it was just really satisfying that bickering and snarking that Avery and Gary had going back and forth. I like it a lot. It was simple. It's just a phone call, but it just set the tone for the rest of the season, at least as far as I saw it. It's actually
0: interesting that you mentioned that, especially with 303. Okay. (laughs) Okay. There may be some kinda of little controversy here, but that's okay.
2: Wow, Dan. Wow.
0: Okay. Uber. Uh
2: the beginning of three oh five.
0: There's no one episode that you liked completely as your favorite, but well, uh, at least three oh five started off well, but then it kinda went meh. Yeah.
2: Well no, the beginning of three oh five <laughs> partially because I'm responsible for its existence.
0: Oh, yes, what had started as the conversation at the end of Season 2 in, the, yeah. in our Skype conference made a condensed appearance exactly at the start of 305 about Max's... These
2: space blazers and all sorts of crap. <laughs> yeah. And the
0: airlock and the space station, yes, yes.
2: Uh, the first piece of, you know, one more turn fanfiction actually made it into the story.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't really need to hear about or even think about anybody's moon. I'm sorry. Yeah. well... <laughs> Well, except
0: Avery's own because oh, yeah. you know she's a narcissist, so. <laughs> <I> just
1: no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Jennifer, I'm going to take it that the start of episode three or five was not your favorite. I don't know what <laughs> lends that notion. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I was good without thinking. Of, and it, Butts' part wouldn't have bothered me, except insofar as it's concerned with Max and hair removal.
2: <laughs> the forest moon of Indor, if you want to go with the Star Wars reference.
1: Oh, God. Oh, man. Favorite episode. Um, I think I'm going to also cop to it not being a whole episode. It's going to be the conversation between Gary and Avery about well that basically boils down to something like, I know something you don't know <laughs> the verbal ping pong back and mm-hmm. forth.
3: Yeah. That just seems to be the relationship those two characters have is just, they really seem to enjoy desperately that uh, one-upmanship contest that they've got going. You know, I almost gave
0: the episode where Riley stands up to Avery and where Riley ultimately says, fine, I'm going to sell Fortuna Works to you so you can uh, stop Acme Smith from uh, suing Carson over the Doe contract. Because in that one, Riley stands up to Avery, finally, only, you know, it backfires in spectacular fashion, which generally describes her life. (laughs) It's just like, man, your RNG luck, Riley, is terrible, terrible. Why is your luck skill so bad? Uh, Well, because somebody keeps writing it that way. In terms of favorite episode favorite episode to record is clearly the bella and hudson show uh but that's not my favorite episode overall but my favorite episode is is 309 breaking point because we've got caleb max and nora we've got their personalities coming through their relationships between each other being reflected but it also highlights a seeming evergreen issue in computing technology which is password management solutions but i think it's also an excellent standalone episode like I think it's difficult to have, let alone achieve, in a story like One More Turn Solutions that is greatly arc driven. Because really what it sets up and in terms of the script, like half a page, so like the last minute or so of what's to come in the next episode that kind of speaks to the arc, it could have been absorbed in another episode. But I just find that the humor using humor to raise a serious issue and the, the interaction and the playoff between the characters just it worked really well in writing, but then I think it also worked well when it was being recorded. So in that respect it was also one of those episodes that you can look at and you're like, this is going to be good, especially since we know Caleb, Max, and Nora. It wouldn't have been an episode I would have tried to have written, certainly not in season one and probably not even in season two. But to the point that you started with their blower, because we've got the background and we can make references to the characters past that the audience knows from seasons one and two, Mm -hmm. as opposed to having to refer to more of their past before the series ever started, Mm -hmm. makes it that much more enjoyable to listen to again and again and again. (laughs) Not that
3: I listen to these episodes again and again. (laughs) I mean, whoever's editing them kind of by nature does have to do that.
2: (laughs) Right. I'm saying at this point, he's got them memorized.
0: I would like to think so, or maybe that means there's hope for me that they're not word for word memorized yet. <laughs> yet, there's you know there's still 2016.
2: Yeah, you get a couple more months to go before you have to worry about the next season. So,
0: <laughs> so while well, uh, this is an interesting segue of sorts, because leading to season three episode that is the least favorite and why. Yeah, Laura, you said that your favorite was like the end of 302 and end of 303. Although it wasn't my least favorite episode, episode 303 was my second least favorite episode. And actually, I'm more mentioning this than my, my least favorite outright for the little bit of controversy. Okay. You talked about like, the conversation between Avery and Gary. Mm-hmm. And to me, I enjoyed writing that dialogue. I enjoyed hearing it and I enjoyed editing it you know, much as you can enjoy editing. (laughs) But to me, the conversation is reasonably inferred from the previous episode, given what was already said, given the character's background and the history. But even more than that, the conversation between Riley and Nora, I mean, yes, it sets up the next episode, which I think is very important. But between those things and Nora being effectively superfluous, you know, I did say at the beginning that when a character appeared in an episode, it was for substance. It had value. Well, there has to be exceptions to everything. And I think that was the exception.
3: I feel like the conversation that happened between Gary and Avery really should have been an episode of its own, which is why I say 302, 303 is my favorite, because I can't separate them. Um, But what you're saying about Nora and Riley uh, conversation there, the issue I find with doing a purely audio show is that you do kind of need to have what amounts to semi-meaningless conversations because the audience can't see things going on non-verbally that makes any sense you're trying to compensate
0: for eye contact body language
3: um also just like you can do like a wordless montage or have things happen in the background of a scene you really cannot do that in this format so i think that while maybe the conversation was not like the most necessary thing in the world i'm not sure how else you could have driven that plot point forward and not have it seem really really random without having that conversation.
0: Because I'm hearing what you're saying there, Blauer, and I think that that because of what happens with Riley and Nora in episode 304, that what was effectively said between them in 303 could have easily been absorbed into 304 and not have that at all. Well,
3: possibly, but in which case you could just say, okay, this episode should have just been the phone call, and that episode should have just been that separate conversation. But... That's not how you formatted it. So,
1: <laughs> Well, I'm, I've already made my peace with the idea that there are narrative tropes that we can't avail ourselves of in this format like wordless montage with just music or a meaningful look or whatever. It Mm -hmm. all has to be done in audio, which means that you're going to get a certain amount of exposition, and it just has to be dressed up in a way that doesn't make you want to, you know, stab your eyes out too much.
2: Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with the fact that the medium limits our abilities, but I mean, in general, one of the things that in terms of my least favorite episode, I don't really have one, for instance, because I think overall, it's relatively solidly put together. I liked all the dialogues you did, even though Caleb didn't do a whole lot this season. He was in a couple of key parts and was good with it, but it was more of, I liked the way you incorporated all the characters together and everybody had their own little moments with people. I mean, if I guess if I had to pick one, my least favorite episode would be, like, the last one, because I'm not in there, and I'm, like, the only character not in that episode. <laughs> it's, not that, it's not quite that bad, but it just sort of feels like it's like, oh, big announcement, and I'm not here. Also, I don't like it, because I think this was the other thing I noticed, or I said to you that my first reaction was, everybody's too damn happy. I don't like this.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> and you're... First off, it doesn't sound like real life, and this show is supposed to reflect that, Damn it! But I'm not surprised that you are ultimately mentioning episode 313, because... Not only the first thing you said, but the first thing anyone said after I sent out the first draft was from Uber, which was, quote-unquote, dad-ending, dot-dot-dot. Yeah. Which, given you hadn't said any more, I put that in the context of not liking as much as you dislike that perhaps it wasn't cliffhangery enough because really i think that also led to the conversation of so dan is this like the end of the series then
2: yeah that was yeah. one of the things that we ended up and did start talking about was so so is this how you were going to end it kind of a thing but i mean because it was just sort of yay baby but at the same time like oh um what everybody's like happy and doing anything hudson's all chummy with carson and everybody's relationships are fine and i'm like what and avery's gone off to you know lurk in her lair and rebuild for the future and
3: well now i kind of feel like we're kind of running into territory of one of the later questions that you actually had set up dan since um it sounds like a lot of the issue you had with 313 is sort of a knock for the series overall or season overall
2: yeah i would yeah i'd say that if we only get into that one yeah this is my least favorite season of one more turn that we've done so far so overall
3: there
0: has to be a least favorite (laughs) you know it it doesn't mean that of course that it's a failure but it might be the difference between like a 60% a 70% and an 80% Mm -hmm. yeah
2: I'm not saying you should just you know cancel everything now the season was horrible (laughs) No,
0: (laughs) (laughs) my least favorite episode and if dark cloud was here I know based on what he had said in the past on commentaries as well as in writing pop Dan I told you I can hear I told you so would be the first episode
3: yeah, I can see that.
0: And I guess that's yeah. because I'll say why, and then Blower's going to tell me why I'm horribly, horribly wrong. No,
3: no, no, no! I was actually going to agree with you. Yeah.
0: Well, that's boring. The hell! No, it's great. Okay. Uh, but. Well, the Devils
3: advocate <laughs> something. Don't worry about it. All right,
0: so Jennifer will then disagree with me. Good, great, thanks. Oh, uh, wow! But... Sure, why, why, I
2: you guess? immediately just call her the Devil.
3: What the hell, dude?
0: She does voice Avery. I mean, I mean, no what? Wow! <laughs> Damn! <laughs>
3: Pressing on before you dig that hole any deeper. Yeah. Really.
0: What what episode 301 sets up? You know, how Carson is to respond to the fully restored audio version of his badly behaving video being released, which was almost surely done by Acme Smith. Like, there's no follow through on that. It's kind of like, so whatever happened to that announcement or non-announcement? Because Max gives this idea. It seems that Caleb and Carson eventually get on board with it. And then Max is like, well, you guys have to execute it. So maybe that's just a further expression of how Caleb and Carson don't follow through on things. I, I don't know. But it's just kind of, okay, I guess we can forget about that, kind of like what happened in Star Trek The Next Generation in the first season, where there were those aliens that infested the bodies of the Starfleet brass, and then they said, oh, the signal got out, you know, we're coming back, we're coming, and then they never did that. What happened with that? I think maybe even in hindsight now, I could change it. Maybe even just like a one-line resolution later in the season, which was follow through and I put that press release out and nobody seemed to give a crap. But it just kind of seems like, did the writers and the editors forget that this conversation happened? And the fact that it is episode 301 to start the season... (laughs) Maybe we're hoping the audience isn't quite awake to to listen to the start of the new season, so they're going to forget and forgive.
3: I don't know. Which
2: is why Dan releases these at, like,
3: 2 in the morning everywhere. That's the reason why Episode 301 is my second least favorite, is I felt that it was kind of slow, it brought some things up that it never did anything with, and I honestly didn't feel like this season really got started until 302.
1: Yeah. Honestly, Dan, and I I will tell you this as a writer, the less I hear the phrase court of a public opinion, the happier I am.
3: (laughs) So it's it's a trigger phrase for you, like uh, synergy or even worse, paradigm shift? (laughs) It's turning into a trope of the franchise.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, something like that. And, yeah, I'll agree that I think my least favorite is probably 301 as well, because it's just there's not a lot of there there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's talking, but they're kind of, I don't know, it's like they're talking at each other.
0: So our summary is: there were twelve passable episodes in one more turn, season three. Well, <laughs>
3: actually, there, there, uh, I do have a. Oh, it's less than that. Yeah, I'll go yeah. for it. Yeah. Oh hell no! no. Uh, yeah, I mean, like sure everyone was every my second least favorite. Very much like how 303 was your second least favorite. Um... <laughs> Yeah, for me, my least favorite was uh, 306, actually, because I found that the perspective shift, it was really jarring to suddenly, like, jump off from all this stuff going on with all these other characters and, hey, remember Bell and Hudson? Yeah, they're still here. Hey, guys. And then the conversation, for the most part, was sort of bickering that I didn't feel really went anywhere, you know? I feel like they had been left out of the season for so long that uh, by then there was... be weird no matter how you introduced them, but the fact that they were kind of introduced in their own bubble just didn't jive well, I thought.
0: So would it have served the episode better to have, maybe not have it so much change the content, but not be episode 306, be earlier in the season so that the characters weren't as forgotten as otherwise? At
3: the least, do that. Like right now, Bell and Hudson are rather, throughout the season, we're, we're almost like this entity that are only tied in through their interaction with Gary, and he didn't even show up in episode 306, so again, it's just they're in their own little vacuum and not affecting anything until much, much later. All right, I can see that. I personally
0: like the interaction that is between Bella and Hudson, even if it is kind of more of the same, only because I think it gives the audience an idea of what a lot of their conversation was like when they are in a relationship mm-hmm. that the best moments of their relationship are when they're not talking to
2: each
1: other <laughs> <laughs> yes. it yeah, uh... underlines this is not a meeting of true minds
2: they're constantly sort of wary of each other through sort of the I two predators was... circling the same corpse kind of a thing
1: <laughs> oh. i guess i
3: i kind of felt that that was already being pretty heavily implied already so i don't know I can see how there would be some satisfaction in witnessing that, but that's just more of the um, like watching a train wreck kind of thing than anything else. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, but there are some train wrecks that are entertaining.
3: <laughs> the Jerry Springer episode of the season. All right,
1: and, this is and- Jerry. Jerry. this was more sad than anything because it's like wow we're gonna watch these two argue you know and i mean anybody who watched old episodes of the honeymooners watched them bicker but you knew that at the end there was gonna be baby you're the greatest and it there's not that with these two or at Mm -hmm. least nothing that the audience wants to see because their making up is not safe for work
0: (laughs) Besides three oh six being the Hudson and Bella Jerry Springer moment,
3: episode three ten is like their Doctor Phil. Uh, yeah, and that's that's the thing is I find that the Bella Hudson interaction later in the season is fine. I actually like it, it's good. It adds to things, but I, like I said, just three oh six for some reason to me the fact that it's happening in a vacuum that's really what turned me off to it.
0: Kind of a lot of back and forth, hoping something's going to stick, uh,
3: <laughs> and nothing does. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah.
0: Uh, let's start with you, Uber. Uh, Who's your favorite character? Crap. Um, <laughs> um, there is no character named that.
2: Well, that's just its name, so no. I'll...
0: Crap, crappier, crappiest. Jack is, uh... Jackass 2,
2: Jackass 3,
0: wait. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about uh, the characters, which we've kind of already done, your favorite character in season 3 and why... I will say that for the third season in a row, my favorite character has changed again. When you're the incumbent character for either, honestly, favorite or least favorite character with me, you lose that election, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily a bad thing in the case of least.
2: So this means we need to go, like, nine seasons so Dan can have each character be the favorite once.
3: <laughs> oh. <laughs> assuming he doesn't add more, which he... Well, assuming he, he doesn't know. add more or
2: kill more, so... Wait,
3: kill more? Wait, when did I kill anyone? What? What? <laughs> when, when did that happen? Oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: Things happen. Mistakes for See, me. I mean, if you're talking
0: about killing some character's will to live, okay, but in terms of their actually... Breathing, like, medical definition, they're all still alive.
2: <laughs> for now.
0: Favorite character?
2: I don't really know this year. I mean, Pedro is saying, saying Pedro is kind of stupid. He's only in there tangentially, and even that, his character is kind of wearing out his usefulness. Not Pedro. Not okay. No, because that one, you know, I did that, <laughs> like, twice now already, and it just seems kind of, eh, whatever. Yeah, don't um, vote for Pedro. Well, he's not voting for anybody. <laughs> I don't really know, honestly. I liked the way every this season worked out just sort of as an ensemble. I mean, I still like Avery's manipulative evilness. I I, I like the fact that you introduced a character like that because it sort of completely challenged how everybody else went. So, I don't know, I can go to Avery this season.
0: Whoa! Well, I was about to say, I don't like the implication that you're choosing uh, Avery, you choose another. No, it's fine.
2: Yeah, I see how it is.
0: <laughs> fine, Iris. Up until the point where you decided on Avery, I was about to say, you know, if you can't decide glass half full favorite character, then talk about the character you dislike the least. Yeah. Which I guess is also Avery. Okay.
2: Besides, I like being contradictory, because I'm pretty sure nobody else is saying Avery, so we're good.
0: Especially Jennifer, I'm sure, is also not saying Avery and is giving you stranger looks than usual, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm used to it at this point. So uh, there's a segue. So Jennifer, would you agree that Avery's your favorite character from season three? <laughs> wow. Oh, I asked that question as well.
2: That was not leading uh, at all.
1: Yeah. That. Th- thank you for making me feel completely narcissistic if I even consider saying yes to that. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs>
2: That's just in character. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I find it. It's weird to say that because. It feels like I'm kind of up my own ass if I do. I like the fact that she is just the monkey wrench in everybody's everything. But I think for sheer interestingness, probably Hudson.
3: Oh, you we're going to have some controversy then.
1: <laughs> you know, the whole Big Brother thing, you know, Sumi, I have a bias in that particular case because of some of my own personal stuff, and it makes him a little more human and a little less like a soulless evil asshole. <laughs> Just a little. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, too big of a head over this
0: now. Well, look, what Jennifer is saying is he really couldn't go any lower, so the only way for him was to go up or stay that low, and at least he went up a little bit.
1: Well, you know, you're peeling back some of the the layers on the onion here.
0: You're starting to understand how someone could become Hudson, so to speak? Like, what makes Hudson Hudson?
1: Well, I mean, I'm sure that there's a core of rotten there. (laughs) it it just you know you're starting to see more of the layers the in the jawbreaker of life that is hudson there are different flavors as you go deeper
0: yeah although hudson is not my favorite character in season three he's not my least favorite character either he was in season one and it's nice that hudson is humanized a little bit. Not necessarily that I agree with all the decisions that he has made, but to Jennifer's point, I'm starting to understand a little bit more how he works. When you and kind of, I think, when you start to understand a character a little more, it means you can start to relate to that character a little more, which is scary, especially in the case of uh, someone like Hudson. He's improving, or at the very least, he is letting people know more about what's going on, and by letting more people, <laughs> the audience, because as much as all the characters save riley hudson and everywhere in the dark about the relationship between hudson and riley as uber prominently pointed out earlier on the hell (laughs) (laughs) there has to be at least one of those moments in a season and i think that is a strong contender in this season for that particular title Blower, who is your favorite character in season three
3: and if you choose gary then that's you know what that's okay Competing for number two is actually simultaneously Gary and Avery because I think they make each other this season, and man, they have some really good spatting going on. But I actually have to pick Nora this season, I, and that surprised me because I actually did not like her in previous seasons. I feel like that character proposed a lot of good ideas throughout the season. She kept a lot of people on leashes without like strangling them with said leashes. She had some good lines of her own. She didn't walk all over any of the other characters. It was just... It's kind of like what you were saying with Hudson improving as a human being. I felt that she is improving as a character and has a good voice and is not just, hey, it's the wife of Max.
0: You All right. Is everyone sitting down? Because Nora was also my pick for favorite character in season three. And I, I don't think there was ever a tie for favorite character. Or if there was, it certainly wasn't last season. It would have been season one. And I didn't expect Even when I was writing the season, even after I finished writing the season, I would not have picked Nora, but in preparation for this commentary over the last couple of days, I got reviewing the scripts, and reviewing the interactions, and listening to the episodes, and it's like, yes, we all knew, or reasonably knew, that Nora was a good person. Yes. But, would you say that your annoyance, perhaps, with Nora in season 1 and 2, is that she seemed kind of a like a busy body, like a mother hen? She- Kind of a thing, like just
3: constant. Just like okay, yeah, it's like Max, stop it. Yeah, when the character was still a, a young idea, that it was kind of on the bland side, and also was kind of reminiscent of like the girlfriend who came along to the D and D session but refuses to actually participate, so it was just sort of there. <laughs> Yeah, taking up space. She's not
0: really there in mind. She's there in body. Oh, you're here, and you're saying something. That's that's good for you.
3: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it hasn't. I'm not. Obviously, it has nothing to do with the performance. It's just it took her some time as an idea to get legs under her. And I'm glad that she did. And I mean, I was actually happy to see where she's going. I
0: think Nora kind of the 180 degree to the person who I chose least because Nora helps calm Riley before confronting Gary with concerns that she had. She then helps her to reevaluate her relationship with him and her relationship with Caleb and Carson. Mm-hmm. She helps continue to focus Max or refocus Max but I also feel like rather than talking at Max she's talking to Max yes when she does that which is a really big difference but more importantly she also helps him believe in himself that he can help others in the group that he doesn't just have to be a person that everyone kind of laughs at yeah as opposed to Leno you know, laughing with even though she's kind of the wind beneath his wings in the sense of getting him to help other people by giving Max that confidence she gives confidence in herself and to us as an audience that she is a character that makes a difference yeah in other words up to this point in season one and two her name could have been sue or character number nine it didn't really matter what her name was she was, uh, was a lot of reactionary stuff to what else was going on either the situation or the characters and on top of that nora even starts to loosen up a bit yeah like she finds her humor and she pushes that and she tends to have that humor come about in a situation that is tense or is about to become tense, and then she's diffusing the humor. You kind of hear her say something,
3: and you think, Caleb, why would you... Oh, wait, no, that was Nora? Nora? Right. Nora said that? Really? Yeah, it finally makes sense as to why she married what amounts to the class clown.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you know, as, as time goes on, there's always the question of, so if the relationship progresses, and we know, both in terms of continuity and absolute number, it's... Nora and Max have been together the longest. And in terms of relationship, theirs is the most steady. And perhaps because it's steady in a way in a show that's about drama and comedy and drama and the comedy kind of feeling that and going along for the ride, that it gets kind of boring and stale. Yeah. Of course, it's Max and Nora. Of course, it's Max and Nora. But now Nora starts to show that she is aware of what's going on around and she is looking to help other people, not just because she thinks it makes her look better or make her look smart, look like the the stable one. Mm -hmm. She's actually caring more about what other people are thinking about themselves, which is what Max always did. But what Max was thinking of doing and what Max actually said and did were kind of two different things. He doesn't really know how to express and show the people in his life that he cares. Nora knows that he cares, and she knows Max well enough to help him find that path. But in so doing, she kind of stands out herself that she doesn't have to be, oh, it's Max. Oh, and Nora's here because Max is also there. Right.
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd say one of the things is I've noticed is the sort of Max and Nora started off as the somewhat of a Greek chorus kind of a thing. They both spoke <laughs> to the characters and to the audience kind of a thing. And in this season in particular, you've sort of changed it to where in season two is sort of Max became more of integrated with the cast. But Season three was where Nora sort of took over the interacting with the cast and becoming sort of the sage slash mm-hmm. advice character that helped all the other characters figure out their stupid crap that they had to deal with.
3: Yeah, it's it's funny how, like I said, she she started out, in my opinion, kind of a weak idea, but now she's developed to not only like the closest thing to a reasonable adult the entire cast has, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but sure. uh, also she does have her own quirkiness and a little bit of weirdness to her. It's like, oh yeah, it, it does make sense that you are with the guy who, by all counts, might be schizophrenic. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, Rachel Laser.
0: <laughs> <laughs> ah, lovable as he may be least favorite character, or at least the character that you like the least?
1: I'm going to step on this one and grab first dibs at mine because we've just been talking about her. I feel bad to hear all these complimentary things about Nora and then to have to say that she's my least favorite character, and it's... Oh! (laughs) Oh, I'm
3: I'm about to do that to your favorite, so go for it.
1: (laughs) And And here's the thing. It's not because I dislike her. It's that she's kind of the odd person out in this cast in the sense that all of these people are either crazy or evil or idiotic or clueless or whatever. And it makes them all very dramatic. And so to try to throw an actual like self-actualized person into that mix for my money doesn't always work. Kind of feels like sometimes she ought to be on a different show.
0: So she is the circle trying to fit into the square peg. That is everyone else.
1: Yeah, kind of. Which is part of the reason that I got to the end, and I'm like, God damn it, she's the one reproducing. <laughs> well, it's only
2: because Dan wouldn't go ahead with the Riley's pregnant part, which I was doing just to was... see Mackie actually slap Dan through the internet.
3: Well. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm actually very sympathetic for your reasoning on that one. There's a reason why I made that comparison to the girlfriend who shows up to D&D because she's being dragged along. She would have nothing to do with these people if she was not married to somebody who was friends with these lunatics. And, yeah. um,
1: well, and then the question becomes, what does Max have on her? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I'm sure Max is a perfectly lovely individual, but as a character, he annoys me a little bit. And I think that may be because his voice this season was kind of whiny.
2: Yeah, DC does the voice in a very sort of, you're going to like it or it's going to annoy the hell out of your way.
1: Well, I mean, that's the character, though. I mean, I honestly did not like Max
3: in the first season. I thought he was a little too jarring. But as we pointed out previously, he got better integrated in the second season. So
1: my bias is also going to show through the whole interchange about the password managing program thing. I've had that conversation when I was the poor schmuck on the other end of the phone doing tech support. And I just kind of wanted to strangle those people. And I'm like, oh Max, you made me hate you. <laughs> I mean, in your favorite character sort of way, but in a visceral, I'm going to reach through the screen and strangle you sort of way.
0: Which, the reason you probably wanted to strangle him so much is because you liked him so much to this point, and now you're hating yourself a little bit for liking him so much, because he does this.
1: Well, I I don't know. I guess it's interesting to me that Max and Nora actually go together, because they're both the ones who feel like they're kind of on a different show. Max breaking the fourth wall, and it's like, okay, dude, you're not Deadpool.
0: (laughs) Uh To echo some of the things that are being said, yes, Max and Nora... First off, in Season 1, yeah, we kind of blend them together as one. Max kind of starts to separate himself and become more integrated with the group in Season 2. And then maybe now in Season 3, it's like, well, Nora is more integrated, but the only reason she's more integrated is because Max became more integrated. And she's feeling like, oh, well, because Max is friends with them, not just acquaintances. Like, first, I'm going to be around because Max is around them. But now since he's friends, I need to be friends with them, too. And perhaps it's also the perception, you know, for some couples, is it really possible or even preferable if sure, we have shared friends, but we also have our own friends who share our interests and the Max and Nora work well as a couple, but in the situation as friends, in addition to being a couple around these other people, it just doesn't seem to work. It seems to be forced. Well, I just
3: chalk that up to that's because it is, you know.
1: Okay. I Uh, tend to agree with that.
3: Mm-hmm. Totally sympathetic to your explanation. Like, I get it. It is something that has annoyed me in, you know, my actual life to see that sort of dynamic, but hey, sometimes the person dragged along is actually a really cool person, you know?
1: <laughs> right. And it, you're right. And it's like I said, I don't really have anything against Nora as a character. She just seems a little out of place in this particular ensemble. I can totally see that.
0: And the connections that those on the commentary here with me are making, or they're drawing parallels in their real life, it's very satisfying to me as a writer. Even I'm thinking, wow, I made the character to be likable, not hated what gives. (laughs) But if the audience members, which of course include the cast, if you're able to relate to the character positively or negatively, and perhaps even more negatively because when it came to favorite character there was kind of this "Mm, i don't know but let's talk about least favorite character and jennifer's like i'm first because these are really really strong emotions right because there can be 10 great things that happen today and one crappy thing and what do we talk about and obsess about that one crappy thing because it was crap
1: (laughs) i also dan to be fair i jumped on it first because we had just been talking about Nora. So I figured that I, you know, wanted to kind of follow on as a continuation of that.
0: You were trying to help me in the editing process of this commentary. <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> uh, least favorite character in season three. Oh, you know, I said in season one it was Hudson. Last season I said it was Gary. And now it's a character that is voiced by someone who, for a second season in a row, is not here to respond to that, specifically speaking.
2: Oh, no. Well, that could be like half the cast or three quarters, actually, so... Unfortunately,
0: yeah. It's actually very harsh in a way that I come to this conclusion, because not only is it for reasons 180 degrees to why Nora is my favorite, but it's 180 degrees to what I thought of this person in season one when they were my favorite, and that's Carson. Carson is my least favorite character and why he is so busy worrying about other people's problems and how other people see him, both in the cast and in the greater community, that he's not really thinking a lot about himself. He stresses himself out to the point of behaving badly. He finally reacts to Riley, like Riley and going and and kissing him (laughs) out of nowhere, which, okay, understandable that you're going to react to that and other things that Riley is doing, but then you go overboard again with this, well, you know, I'm going to sue you. You know, I'm going to get you charged with harassment. It's like... Okay, you want to help everyone, and by trying to help everyone, you help no one, including yourself. And when you help no one, right, your happiness is affected you got limited happiness, it affects your health, then your health affects your happiness more. And then he spreads this, this downtrodden, poor me attitude and perspectives, everyone and every circumstance ganging up on me, poor old me, which then proceeds to make him even more miserable, because he feeds off other people's misery, and he's the one that contributed to their misery. Like, could you at least go back to being a zero Carson and stop being a negative?
1: Okay. Well, I don't I guess. Who's next?
2: (laughs) Boom roasted.
3: No strong disagreement.
2: Since none of us said Carson was our favorite, we're probably not going to argue you on that, so...
3: Yeah, I gotta be honest. This season, ironically for what is arguably the two main characters, which would be the brothers who run one more turn, I found that they just didn't leave a very strong mark this season, one way or the other, for me. Like, they're there, they're participating... But they themselves are really not driving the plot. They're the new Max and Nora? Kind <laughs> of, yeah, which is funny when they are arguably, as I said, the main characters.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, point of fact, I get the other half of this because Miley's favorite character was Caleb because he didn't do much of anything this season. The most he's in is the first episode, which we all agreed kind of sort of blue chunks because it basically served as a, <laughs> a summary of what happened the previous two seasons. And the, the rest of it, he just, you know, occasional quips and witty comments, and that's really it. Yeah. Other than the tech support session which caused PTSD for poor Jennifer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I was really actually kind of surprised now that you bring that up at how little Caleb and Carson just both of them seem to be kind of coated in Teflon this season. Mhm. Yeah, you know, nothing really stuck to them.
0: They're both kind of living in the past of season one and season two. It's like they're season three stuff. Do you have anything to say? Oh, that was a smart ass comment. Yeah. Oh Carson, that's that was a really good observation. Can you go back to season two and make it?
3: Because <laughs> you
0: know, we're kind of on to other things
3: now. Yeah, yeah, it really, I mean, I'm not going so far as to say either of them are my least favorite, because I thought that they did have some good lines, and, you know, they were there, but I can totally understand why they wouldn't be, because you're right, they are primarily living in previous seasons, and almost oblivious to the fact that everyone else has their own stuff going on. So who would be your least favorite, then? Mine would actually be Hudson. (laughs) As I said, a little bit of controversy here. The big reason is, almost ties into why I didn't like episode 306, he is in my opinion, largely irrelevant until really, really late in the season. People tend to override him, talk over him. He has some good zingers, he has some good lines, but until almost near the end, I don't think he really had a voice this season. You know, at least Carson and Caleb were there. Other than being, like, the crappy boyfriend and then the ex, as I said, uh, until things start working out, like, hey, Riley and Gary are getting serious, it almost, like, is, like, okay, what's my purpose? Oh, okay, my purpose is to be the really shitty (laughs) brother-in-law.
0: Oh, so maybe to you he's now kind of become a Nora in terms of a character that... Because you described him as his relationship with Bella and then his relationship to Riley. Yes. That Hudson's effect, he kind of neutered himself by getting back into a relationship with Bella because, of course, whatever that couple is doing, Bella's obviously going to drive it. Or (laughs) woohoo. Or in the case of Riley and Hudson, for better or worse, it's Riley that has that profile in that relationship. Pushed himself into the background and and pushing yourself into the background, you're not going to like someone that is pushing themselves into the background because it's what are you doing? Why are you giving up this position of having an effect why are you becoming just more of an observer?
3: Yeah, pretty much. Like, And um, it doesn't help that I haven't liked him in previous seasons, but at least I can understand. <laughs> like, for that, it was just a matter of, I don't like him because he's a crap human being. Now it's like, okay, you're a crap human being who isn't even having a say on how anything's going. Because that's one of the, in my opinion, in especially in the second season, one of his good points was that, wow, he is a plot driver. And then this time, it's just, it could have been literally any relative that is annoying, you know? I can see that.
1: Yeah. I'm going back over the script from season three. Speaking of Hudson, I'm still just really creeped out by the two lines. Damn it. Which episode? Yeah. 310 where they're, you know, turning into a not us. Damn it. I had it a minute ago.
0: Ah, Uh, What I will say, for Hudson's credit, though, in the case of Hudson and Bella not working as a couple, this time, and it often also seems to be the case, that it's Hudson is the one that ends things. He's the one that comes to the realization to the point of both saying it and acting on it, which is, this is not working.
1: Right. And that's the line that creeped me out. And Bella was saying, yes, I am right about Avery, aren't I? And he says, yes, I think I owe it to her, to myself, to see if there's an us to love. And I'm sitting here going, oh, God, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> trying to, try to himself on Avery. Ah.
2: Well, on the other hand, it could mean that Hudson is basically just a doormat. And the two women he's most attracted to are the manipulative type. So he just, you know, mm-hmm. enjoys that. And when he and Bella doesn't work, it just sort of, well, we'll go after the only other one around here who's the same basic way. And for me, I I, I can agree with Blower to, to most of this, where Hudson just sort of, he's there a lot of the season, but he's not really useful, or you don't notice him as much until the very end when he somehow, even though you never actually find out details, suddenly he's a good guy at the end of the season and has, like, lipped the script on Avery, screwing over her current plan. It's like, oh, uh, what? That kind of came out of woke, uh-huh. Because mm-hmm. he went for the, the entire rest of the show, he was, like, a totally fine with screwing over Everybody, including his sister, and then now mm. suddenly, like, hey, now that you all know. Uh, yeah, okay, we're. I'll, I'll be a good person now.
3: Well, <laughs> theoretically, allegedly, I don't. I don't think that that character has it in him to genuinely be a good person. Um, yeah,
2: i to say like he's almost more. He'll go with whatever side has the largest power base kind of a thing or at least
3: value yeah (laughs) yeah,
2: When the upper hand was with bella and avery he was fine being on their side but once things started to not go that well he just sort of slinked over to the other one like oh
1: shit jump
3: ship yeah but we've established before that hudson is kind of a cutthroat mercenary type you know yes yeah his loyalty is to himself
1: yes uh watching him jump off that sinking ship just reinforces how much of a rat he really is
3: Right, right. And to me, it's like the reason why I wasn't particularly taken aback by this change is because, yes, that's kind of in line with what we've established for this person in previous seasons. Is that, yeah, I mean, he's not very good at it, but he is out for number one. <laughs>
0: right. Actually, also in 310, Bella's like, I was talking about Avery, not Riley, and you really should have talked to her first. The zakapaz, you already told her, didn't you? He's like, well, yeah, I, I, Huston's like, yeah, I told Avery I'd call her up if you and I didn't work out. Now I'm mad. won't fault you there. Uh, although certainly Hudson doesn't say what Avery's response to that was, if anything. I mean, for all we know, Avery doesn't know that Hudson is thinking that way because Hudson left a message and Avery saw who it was from and just pressed delete without listening to it. I mean, that's <laughs> that's kind of in my mind that Avery still actually doesn't know because there was a message and she didn't read the content of the message. It was just, oh, it's from Hudson, so I should ignore this and just
2: delete.
3: Yeah, yeah, I guess in summary like for this season Hudson, yeah, my least favorite character, but if Carson or Caleb were to have another season like they had this season, I could very easily see myself getting convinced that they are my least favorite just because you can't go so many seasons being up your own butt with old stuff when everybody else has moved on, you know? <laughs> They're stuck in a moment and they can't get out of it. Exactly.
0: To me the only thing worse than losing is not playing the game and that's what some of the characters are doing and so you set yourself up for never being successful you're never going to have the chance of getting the reward because you're not taking the risk you're just waiting for death (laughs) wow (laughs) (laughs)
3: he's (laughs) right 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 though
0: For your character in Season 3, what do you think his or her
3: highs or lows were, Blower? I, uh, yeah, as far as his highs, I thought that, as I had mentioned previously, that, um, Gary, in in addition to Avery, were pretty much like, this is the season! You know, it was because of them that it had such a strong opening, in my opinion, And obviously I'm always fond of the character just because he has a sharp tongue and will sometimes also get kind of contemplative off into some really weird but uh, amusing sort of thoughts that are just everyone else is moving on. He's kind of over here thinking about this weird idea he's had. He's a fun character to play, but because of his, I guess, um, combination of snark and legal acumen gave the season its legs. But I did find that more of his things were kind of off camera. I guess i just wish he would have had a little bit of a stronger presence outside of the first third of the season a lot of what he was doing was almost implied i guess yeah i always kind of
0: wondered about gary in in the sense that i mean it makes sense why he's sticking around with the group now because he's riley's boyfriend Mm -hmm. but before then i mean yeah okay yeah he was Caleb and carson's lawyer but i know in my case in terms of My lawyer. We go years without saying anything to each other, and it's all business. So that combined with the fact that Gary seems to like hang out with people that (laughs) he's old enough to be their father is uh, kind of doesn't seem to hang out with people his own age. Like, I wonder what's up with that.
3: I mean, I don't, that actually kind of ties into um, the question of what I wish for the character. I don't know if you want to combine this or not. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's kind of why I, what I wish for the character was that he gets a little bit of like, resolution with his relationship to the rest of the cast, because you're absolutely right. It's like, why are you still here again? You know, he exists in this limbo where obviously a lot of the people just think he's a douche, and it doesn't make sense for them to either have gotten over that and embraced him as an actual friend or to tell him to, you know, go piss up a rope. <laughs> well, the other people
0: might want to be around Gary because they can then feel better about themselves because they're not Gary.
3: Yeah, but
2: not much, you know. I mean, if they're already sinking that low, I mean, you know.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that that is my wish for the character is is tied into what I think is a low point. Is like obviously he means a great deal to Riley and by extension Hudson and also Bella. But outside of that sphere, it's like, why is he even like on the radar of everyone else? You know
0: yeah and that's what well, you're just making me think of i don't know it's a serious point but i was thinking kind of the jabs back and forth between hudson and gary which were diminished this season for assorted reasons but it kind of goes from you know hudson's like oh well now i don't have to call you daddy and, uh, and gary's like oh you were never mm-hmm. gonna call me that
3: yeah now hudson's like okay bro <laughs> yeah that's that's a, that's a strong point for him is that he does have that biting wit and the occasional flight of fancy he's a fun character but he also is kind of coming unmoored from about half the cast, and I think something needs to be done, in my opinion, regarding that fact.
1: Yeah, he either needs to attach himself sucker-like to somebody else, or be less involved.
0: Mm -hmm. There'll be no polygamy. (laughs) I mean... I mean, you
2: know, Hudson rarely aren't related. So,
0: So, Hudson's low. Wow, so many to choose from. (laughs) Um i'm gonna say it's taking so long to realize that he and bella were not a couple again like do you suddenly hate yourself as much as you seem to hate other people although as i mentioned earlier he did realize it for bella and convinced her of it still he shouldn't have had to go through this lesson it's like his mark was 30 percent and bella's was 20 congratulations you're not quite as bad but you're still bad Although, I think there is a high for Hudson, and that might be controversial. A combination of apologizing to Bella, not because it was to Bella, because it Bella, but for actually apologizing for not having told her the true nature of the relationship with Riley. Because he knew what Bella thought, and he kind of envied and kind of enjoyed that jealousy that Bella thought that Riley was a romantic rival for his affection and his attention. and he...
2: Well, he never denied it. <laughs>
0: And also, perhaps even more so, for apologizing to Riley for imposing himself and her affairs and not treating her like the adult that she is and has been for some time. As for, I guess, since Flower did this as well, for one wish for the character in season four is for Hudson, not necessarily someone who is in the cast, but to get himself into a relationship where he doesn't pair himself with somebody too much like him. Like, I know there's different degrees of opposites attracting, and I think he knows what he is good at, not necessarily what we want people to be good at, but I would like to see him find somebody else that, this is going to sound so damn cliche, but I'm going to say it anyway, to be the best version of himself. Because from earlier in the season, it's like you are one extreme or the other. It's like you're so involved in the crap that you are the biggest shit disturber, yet your other extreme is to not even play the game. Mm Mm-hmm. So find that middle ground. Now, whether you come you know, more on the line of being a bad person as opposed to a good person, in air quotes, all the subjectiveness that comes with that terminology, I think he's more likely to be on the bad side uh, still, but at the same time. Stop yourself going, again, from one extreme to the other, because as kind of came up already in this commentary, what the hell? Hudson sabotaged his potential relationship with Avery that he wanted romantically by screwing her over professionally. He's suddenly a good guy? What the hell? And that's reflective of his ability, and it's the case of a lot of people, to fall into the extremes. And similar to Carson, Hudson, I think, is reacting, You know, realizing I'm apologizing to Riley, look at all that I have done, look at how I'm negatively affecting the people around me. And he talks about the most and longest relationship in my life was Riley, and I risked that before, I'm not going to risk it now, and he overcompensates.
3: Yeah, I think that's actually kind of an excellent point that he made. Though that whole like either he's going to play the game and be a bastard, or he's just yeah, yeah, I'm losing, yeah, I'm, I'm done playing now. Yeah, that's <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> happy, and I quit. <laughs> yeah, and knowing how things go, just being a writer, God help us all. That means that if he looks for another relationship that isn't quite as topsy turvy, that means. I can just see it now. He's going to try and pursue Avery and maybe try to mend that fence. And no good can come from that.
3: Well, depends. It might be fun just to watch Avery keep uh, finding inventive ways to turn him down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> or just inventive ways to manipulate him into, you know,
3: doing horrible things. That's uh, pretty much the same thing, isn't it? <laughs> this is true. Yeah.
1: Uh You can't flirt with me from prison.
0: (laughs) That sounds like a challenge.
1: Um... What I don't don't want to have happen is because if they did that, I could see them very easily falling into a Joker and and Harley kind of dynamic. And I really don't want to, you know, be reduced to going around doing the whole Oh, yeah, sure, Mr. J. Well, no, because
2: <laughs> in this case, it'd be the opposite. The gender roles would be reversed. Because we've oh, already God. established Hudson's, while well, he's only out for number one, he's definitely not the aggressive side in these relationships. He's more, he's the reactionary, so he's more likely to take the backseat. So in which case that he would probably wind up being Parley and um, <laughs> Avery
1: would be the Joker. Wow, that's an ugly thought. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I don't want to imagine him in tights.
0: I think that just generally describes Hudson full stop. Ugly thoughts. Oh, but... hmm. <laughs> so what about that Avery character? You know, she was... we had no new characters introduced this season. It's like, season one introduced new characters, because they oh, introduced all of them. <laughs> I just had to say it that way. And then season two introduced Avery... So now Avery doesn't have the, ooh, I'm shiny and new, pay attention to me. But did that mean that Avery did not have a high? Was it just all low for Avery now, Jennifer? Is it just downhill?
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think her high was the whole banter, that conversation between her and Gary. Where she clearly had the upper hand.
0: Wait a minute! Even more than getting Riley, when Riley was like, "Ha, I'm here to get you," and then Avery turns it around and once
3: again emerges victorious.
1: Oh, <sighs> uh, I you know tie. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, oh. Avery has a knack for getting involved in like the best like scheming snark fests. <laughs>
1: Yeah and I I think probably her low was that ridiculous you know oh you can leave first no you can leave first no you, you know th- that that whole that <laughs> it, it just it it was dumb and it was beneath her
0: certainly can resonate with the audience because it's the last thing avery does in the season and you can also kind of wonder is this like avery's gone full stop
1: well yeah and you know it's like she goes out with a whimper instead of a bang
0: all right so uber yo caleb what what does he need to do like what were his high and lows was he you know letting carson bring himself down too much is that giving you know carson too much credit and caleb just needs to take responsibility for his own shit or what
2: well i mean for the most part is really his high was off screen because he basically decides to leave the one more turn and wind up helping out Max and Nora. It's the I'm going to try and be independent in a way from Carson after dealing with all that, which was, you know, encouraging. But at the same time, it was that's at the very end of the season. So it's kind of like, well, the rest of the season, he's just like randomly pops up for a couple of quips. And then, you know, he and Avery have a little back and forth and it doesn't really go anywhere. And I didn't really feel like he was just so much as living in the past as he just wasn't really doing anything. He just sort of coasting. So I guess his really low was just the fact that not really much of anything happened to him this season. And so I think for next season, I hope that he actually sort of, as we've discussed, you discussed with Carson in terms of when you didn't like about him, was that they both need to come to some sort of self-realization of what's best for them and what situation do they need to get themselves into to get out of this rut of being in the past and not having anything useful to contribute to the group kind of a thing.
0: They need to develop an improvement plan.
2: Yeah, five-year plan.
1: <laughs> How very Dr. Phil of you. Well, I
2: was thinking... <laughs> well, the five-year plan
3: years. is actually a reference to the old Soviet yeah, Union. Soviet Union. But <laughs>
2: <laughs> it also would make no sense because it would be like, oh, okay, well, in season eight, finally Caleb and Carson have decided to do something.
0: They're biding their time.
2: Yeah. I will say, you know, at the end of season two, I said, yeah, Caleb should just cut bait and leave town because, you know, he find something better for himself. And then he almost did it this season with the fact that he didn't say much of anything useful. Yeah less is more yeah well I mean that's you know the whole thing for Caleb this season she's like "Ah, I'm reading through all the scripts I listening to everything I'm like man he didn't do Jack (laughs) (laughs) why did Dan write this character in this part god
0: that's just to make the successes in Caleb's life all the sweeter when you have also gone through all of the failures.
2: Wow. So by season 10, he might start having them. His five-year plan was right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean,
2: he is steadily trending down. It's, you know, Beginning of the show, he had one X, and now he's got two to deal with. And then, you know, it's like, wow, this keeps getting
1: worse. Well, if you accumulate Xs, it means that you're at least putting yourself out there.
2: Well, well, in this case, it was not It was the one ex in his life currently trying to make his life hell. Then the second one shows up and is trying to make his life hell, and so it's true.
3: To be fair, his exes are kind of not great people, but on the other hand, I think the fact that they're piling up, as the things are implying, says a lot about uh, them as people. Like, you only go through so many of that kind of relationship until it's, yeah, maybe you're the problem. Yeah.
1: Right.
2: Which is great, because this is all actually, these exes are all based on exes Dan's head, so... He's now really feeling good about
1: himself. <laughs> good <laughs> lord!
3: Um... <laughs> well, so far it's just two.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. Um. Avery, yes, although abstracted to some degree, but uh, Bella, no. Not personally. Avery more from personal experience, but Bella more from experience of other people I know in my life.
1: Wow, Dan, you had an ex like Avery? I'm so sorry. <laughs>
2: I was so disappointed there was no heavy breathing in season four. <laughs>
0: <laughs> For the plot novels in season three, what do you think the highs and lows were? I'll start with that. More about the relationships between the characters, their responses to the situations rather than the responses themselves. I consider that a high, I think we've touched upon on that between reactions to the first scripts, least in favorite characters, favorite episodes, and whatnot. But the low is also the same, and I think that's because the complexity does mean that anyone who is listening, they may have to listen to an episode more than once to get an understanding and appreciation for the developments, which reminds me, uh, once again, less in season three than in season two or even season one, but it was... Kind of the, oh, I understand more having listened to the episode than when I read it, but I think I need to go back and listen to that episode again, because some things are still not quite connecting. But at the same time, as much as that is a low, I would rather have the story arcs where the characters are evolving over the course of the series, as opposed to the characters staying the same in any particular respect, where it's static and you've got a lot of standalone episodes and you just press the reset button every week.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I'm going to be a little more specific. High, where I think the high, as far as I was concerned, was watching Hudson finally come clean to Bella about the true nature of the relationship between him and Riley, you know, where he finally just lays it all out, even though she has to drag it out of him. It makes some things make sense which leads into my low, which is more of a general... I still have a hard time telling all the players without a scorecard.
3: How do you mean? Can you elaborate on that?
1: Well, I still sometimes have trouble remembering who everybody is and what all the relationships are. Like, seriously, there needs to be, like, a I don't know, a diagram of, <laughs> you know, who's who and who's connected to whom and who used to be connected to whom.
2: Family tree of one more turn.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that.
0: I'm not certain a, a tree to properly represent one more turn could actually exist in nature because I think it would just choke off its own yeah,
3: yeah. supply of
1: mm. <laughs> oxygen. I, but I was thinking more in terms of a Venn diagram.
3: A lot of overlapping colored circles, and the center of them would be brown. <laughs>
1: yeah. Or, I don't know, a flowchart.
3: <laughs> yeah, there we go, flowchart. <laughs> for highs and lows for the season plot. I think the highs really were yeah the, the the character dynamics, the relationship they established, the bickering and the maneuvering they all had in relation to each other that um you know everybody had the chance to get in some good lines for the most part, everybody, if they were inclined got that that self satisfied moment of screwing over their rival, you know might have wound up working out even or even set in the back later on, but they all had their chance to get a good shot in, you know that's what I really liked as far as the highs uh the lows. I felt that the legal situation turned into such a tangled mess that there was, like, a fair amount of off-camera development and untangling. (sighs) Like, the Acme Smith legal team or whatnot, they get, like, offhand mentions until the very end when all of a sudden, oh, hey, this thing happened because we allowed things to get so stupidly convoluted through our own either incompetence or inaction. That was kind of a downer for me, that the voice that really wound up handing over some resolution was literally not a voice at all also my big thing was the exact closing of the last episode of this last season hey we're pregnant that trope really gets under my skin because i find it is a thing invoked by sitcoms who are running out of ideas and they know it and i know you're not running out of ideas well you better not be (laughs) (laughs) like it's like wow we're pulling this trope already it's not time to kill this franchise but when that gets invoked it's almost like a white flag of surrender that yeah we're going to
0: you know fine line that if that pregnancy is seen to fruition then that is going to inevitably change the dynamic and if it doesn't change the dynamic then it's not believable so it is dangerous and you're right that it is something that comes up often and it's often not executed well so it's like a warning sign whether you like it or not but you hope that there are more ideas because you are emotionally invested. Ha ha! Now I've got you where I want you. <laughs> About the, uh, the legal situation, that was a little bit of reflection and kind of shot at my uh, slightly younger self. Which was the whole being sued, and Acme Smith, and the Doe contract, and Fortuna Works, and One Return Solutions, and Acme Smith, and the players coming in and out, and who's on which side, you know, switching back and forth, and it was, okay, I need to resolve it, I don't want it to be, you know, what was set up in episode 301, and not actually have a resolution to the thing, never spoken of again. But just kind of like, okay, so this was a big thing, this was a driving force in Season 1, it was kind of secondary in Season 2, and now in Season 3 I want to push it from tertiary to defunct. And I will admit that I'm not as satisfied with it as I wanted to be. How the Acquisites legal team treated it as a reminder to me that if you're going to introduce something this complex into a story that you have got to follow through on it in the manner in which you started, that it needs to be proportional. But in terms of like a season four, we will say right now, might as well, that yes, there is a season four, and no contract mentions specifically, no, but because it's part of the history of the characters, their relationships with each other, and how they identify themselves, it no doubt still has an influence in how they carry what they say and what they do.
3: Yeah, that's not going away even when you get a verdict. So, right. yeah, that's I guess that's why it bothered me a bit. It was because this should be the thing that all parties involved should really, really care about. Everyone involved should have some kind of voice in it. And, wow, they really need to, like, get their shit together. And it didn't really feel like most of the people involved did one or any of those.
1: Then we'd have to have somebody... Be able to do the sound effect of. Ah! Ah! Oh God!
0: No! Please yourself, no! Ah uh, no! Don't worry. They just the, no no no. Don't, don't worry about that. Canadian
2: one. babies are apparently silent, so we're all good. No, when <laughs>
0: <laughs> the meeting or exceeding expectations of one more turn, season three. Huh, I think they met. I don't think they exceeded or fell short. I'm going to say they met my expectations, which was furthering what had happened in Season 2. In other words, oh, the characters are just static because they never moved, or they moved around in the season, and then they came right back to where they were, which would then make the season either feel like what was the point, or you just cheated the audience because you just pressed the reset button. Like, what was this, an episode? A dream? Oh, Speaking of things television shows like to do to annoy people... <laughs>
1: The snow
0: globe. Our movies, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I think meeting expectations, because more than this season, than in season one or season two, the amount of effort that I had to put into ensuring that there was the continuity of plot and continuity of behavior... Our consistency, perhaps, is a better word not to have anything that's too jarring that makes it seem unbelievable, or is this person like their twin or something? They sound like the person, but and they've assumed their name, but they're a completely different person, and I'm glad I put the effort into it, but I think not having written something like this before... that got this far, because I mentioned before, Dark Cloud and I, we had a machinima series that just went one season, and very much in the first season and even into the second season, I could say, I'm learning the lessons from Age of Nations, was the name of that. I'm learning the lessons from Age of Nations. But we never got to a season three, either in terms of calling it a season three or these particular situations of, okay, so what happened? Is this consistent? Does that conflict? Does this make sense? And because of the energies I had to put into that, I didn't feel I was able to then direct the energies into exceeding my expectations, which I don't even know how I could have done that, if that makes any sense. But I think it met them for that. And then perhaps having learned what I learned between Season 2 and Season 3, between Season 3 and Season 4,
3: I can get back to exceeding my expectations, which is what my response was uh, in Season 1 and Season 2. I really enjoyed the banter this season. There was a lot of good dialogue. I I really liked that the character dynamics were quite nice. So that actually exceeded my expectations there. I thought it was better this season for that than in previous. But, yeah, I I found, as I said, the the invocation of the pregnancy trope and just how the legal thread was finally put to rest, that actually, I thought, was below my expectations. I I was expected um, to not see the one and to see the other handled uh, differently.
2: Yeah, I would say, overall, it probably broke even, but I thought, like, sort of almost the same as Blower. It was the character writing interactions were great, but the plot just... I don't know. It, it didn't work for me as well as other seasons have the holes, but even just that, the twist and the end resolution just I don't know felt off to me. So like overall it was fine, but there was definitely pluses and minuses throughout the entire thing.
1: Yeah, I think for me it broke even as well, and I'm I know I'm I'm not going to be terribly interesting about this because I'm going to echo. A lot of what's already been said. The interactions in and of themselves, I thought, were really good. You know, it feels like you're really stepping up your game in the dialogue. There's a lot of snappy stuff going on. But, yeah, the pregnancy at the end, while not unexpected for a normal couple, just it's like, oh, really? You're going to throw a kid into this mix? Good lord please don't be a cousin oliver
0: i thought it was going to be look these characters have a choice to be around each other the kid is not why would you hurt them
1: (laughs) oh
0: that too okay
1: (laughs) although the kind of people who voluntarily hang around each other and roll dice and write things down on paper for fun are generally going to drag their children into that sort of thing, whether they want to be drugged into it or not.
3: This is true. I have witnessed it many times myself.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I've done that sort of thing before when my son was very, very small, so I plead guilty. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was just gonna say I already have something to apologize to my children for and they're not even born yet. God.
1: <laughs> well, seriously, look at all the pictures on social media of people cosplaying with their infant children.
0: <laughs> and then in conclusion, what do you hope the audience takeaways are for one more turn season three? I uh, first off is thank you for still listening. <laughs>
1: audience takeaways should be we're listening. <laughs> we're an audience. <laughs> Woo-hoo!
0: number 2 a trope or not or maybe you in fact like the trope that there is a that there's enough in season 3 to i want to find out what happens next season to these people kind of echoing what i've said in the past which is these characters are still relevant to people who are listening i don't want it to be too much like real life because why would you listen to this if it was completely like real life you just go you know with real life you are entertained certainly and hopefully you get a chance to laugh maybe not at yourself, that could be self-destructive, but certainly with yourself, oh yeah, I'm guilty of that, I'm laughing at them now or I'm criticizing them now, oh gee, well, I need to watch myself doing that in the future, to even, man, I wonder if this was something I should have done in this situation, and then you listen to this show and it's, man, that's exactly what happened to them, yes, okay, that reaffirms that I did what what I was supposed to do, that you want to, again, continue to listen to the show, enough to also tell people that you admit that you would listen to this show, like the takeaway being that, okay, it's the end of season three, I've heard enough, I want to continue to listen, and I want to tell other people that I'm listening. not just, well, if someone corners me, fine, I'll admit it, but (laughs) to actually engage in conversation with each other, like I would like to see interaction between ourselves as the cast and the audience, other than, you know, ourselves as also audience members. But also get conversations going between audience members themselves. I know that's a pretty big takeaway. I know that's a pretty big step. But if people are still listening, then I kind of feel like at some point it, it's kind of got to change.
2: Well, right. I can't say that. I hope the audience takes away the fact that Dan loves cliffhangers because he screwed that up.
0: <laughs> well, there's a bit. It's, it's it's more of an indirect cliffhanger.
2: Uh, there's no dying unanswered question. It's just like, ah, oh, hey baby, You're like oh, what? Okay, surprise
1: yeah. Well, I hope no, wait, that's a that kind of touch. It has not necessarily been a surprise baby, at least not to Max and Nora. I mean, surprise baby implies that it was an oops.
2: We don't know either way in that case, so yeah.
0: But seeing as how they're telling people about it and the way they're telling people about it gives the reasonable impression that whether it was on purpose or not, they are happy that they are pregnant. And no doubt Nora is really seeing the air quotes around the we're pregnant
1: right. part of it. <laughs> Well, I love the fact that, you know, it isn't just we're pregnant and scene, it's we're pregnant, wow, we need to come up with a portmanteau name and scene. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: (sighs) Yeah. Come on, more or next, let's do this.
1: I don't know, it, it makes me think of a really bad pun because if it, it, it needs to be a girl so that, oh, in maybe, like, season five, Max and Nora can be pregnant again, and some wag will have to make a joke about more of the same.
3: Uh swat, so, uh, I kind of touched on this earlier with, uh, like, way at the beginning of the commentary, but, um, yeah, I'm hoping that the audience kind of disagrees that uh, the characters are getting some legs under them. That They're not just a voice on the internet. They have a personality. They are becoming people with goals and direction that uh, they feel like they might be able to predict or at least guess at. It's not just sitting passively and waiting for the writer to get around to finishing a script kind of thing, you know, that uh, I'm hoping that other people agree that they have enough steam now that uh, they can carry on, on almost on their own. The one more turn universe.
1: <laughs> the one more turn <laughs>
3: Yeah. Oh, there you go.
1: It
2: takes place within like a ten square mile radius of some small town in Canada.
0: Closing thoughts as we wrap up the season commentary, the season three commentary for One More Turn at OneMoreTurn.net.
1: Um, no. <laughs>
2: I'm glad you stepped right out there and said what the rest of us were thinking. Six seasons and a full-length feature podcast. I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Although technically, you know, if you, like some people, wait for an entire season to be released and then well, listen to all of them. Most
2: people
1: should be shot.
0: You could string it all together and then it does make a feature-length production.
2: Right.
1: Or, you know, if we can't get six seasons in a movie, then, you know, six seasons and maybe Netflix will resurrect us. There we go. Thanks,
0: everyone, for being on this commentary and to our listeners for listening to this. And uh, we will see you in season four. Thanks, all.
2: Later. Later.
0: Music by Kevin MacLeod. Voiceovers by Jordan Lund. Visit the official One More Turn website at onemoreturn.net. Copyright civilized communication at civcom.net.
3: Jennifer, quick, please save us. <laughs> <laughs> no, this
2: will make it in.
3: <laughs> Probably not. No. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no kidding. Good Lord. One more turn.